Welcome to Interchain FM, where we dive into the frontier of the blockchain space. We're now in the third generation of blockchain tech, where a burgeoning multi-chain ecosystem is about to explode into what we call the decentralized web. Where Ethereum is to the mainframe computing era of the internet, Cosmos is to the PC era. If you're seeking alpha in the Cosmos ecosystem, look no further. This is the destination for your exponential learning experience. Interchain FM is where you can get the download on all of the high signal projects, building bridges to one another, and how you can participate in the future of the internet. Today we have Sunny Iroll here to talk about mesh security. You announced mesh security at Cosmoverse 2022, and everyone's pretty stoked about it, and it is being built right now as we speak at Hackwasm. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. Uh, first off, happy to be on, I think. I think this is actually technically my first time on Interchain FM, I think. No. No. You've been you've been on it before. I've been on it before. Okay, never mind then. What, we, what did we talk about last time? We talked about Osmosis High Level and Superfluid and Interfluid. Oh, okay, right, right. This was like right after like the Superfluid launch back in like... Yeah, that was a year ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, a lot of things. Uh, okay, so, um, okay, mesh security. What is mesh security? Mesh security is the sort of next big step in like interchain security, right? So there's been a lot of hype around interchain security recently. Um, and, you know, very much this push towards like a hub and spoke model for interchain security. And, you know, we just took this, you know, we just wanted to like give our view on how the security mechanisms of Cosmos should work. And, you know, it really comes down to this notion of like, we, we think that like, if we just build another hub and spoke system, what we're doing with Cosmos is not very different than what every other ecosystem has done, right? Like you have ethereum with its roll-ups or you have Polkadot with its parachain like everyone is building this like very hub and spoke style system where you say hey this one chain one token is going to provide security for everything else and you know we call this you know we this is like an empire and colonies model of security right but what we're trying to build in cosmos is this world of sovereign chains and just like how sovereign nation states come together in security pacts and alliances similar to nato for example right nato is a coalition of many sovereign countries and by sovereign you know they don't interfere in each other's governance they don't meddle in each other's internal politics but if any one of them is attacked they all rush to each other's defense and so it's you know what we're looking for with a mesh security system is you know chains that are you know allies with each other heavily aligned through economics or economically aligned or high community overlap all these sorts of things they should be sharing security with each other and so security relationships can be bi-directional it doesn't have to be one directional the hub and spoke system really implies that like hey you have one chain has to provide security to another chain and you know in ethereum we have this whole like l3 meme that's going on right now where it's like oh you're gonna have l2s ha providing security for more for these l3s but it's still this like one directional thing in cosmos what we can do is like run through bi-directionally let's say two chains like osmosis and juno right like osmosis can help provide security to juno but juno can also provide security for osmosis and then you add a third chain in the mix like stargaze right and you know, they can all provide security to Stargate. Stargate can provide security to both. And like, as the alliances grow, the security systems of the whole 
mesh will actually exceed that of any hub and spoke system. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts about Atom 2.0, given that that's the current new narrative right now, which is uh, interchain security is going to be built out. And if you have uh, an Atom 2.0 system where you're able to stake your Atom and then receive uh, fees and other uh, st- in the tokens of interchain secured app chains, mm-hmm. um, you know, how is mesh security an improvement over that model? Because everyone's on the wave of this former model, and now you're kind of changing it up on people, so to speak. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing is adding 2.0 is actually a number of things, uh, all part of this like larger proposal, some of which I I really like, some of which I not, I'm not really a big fan of. But if we talk about specifically the interchain security top focused part, um, I think that there is a use case for that, right? I think the customer that we're targeting for mesh security is very different than the one that the hub is targeting for their, you know, hub security, right? Where interchains, so mesh security is really targeting these like app chains that already have their stakeholder sets and are, you know, already have a pretty high market cap and are able to secure themselves, but it's just adding more security onto them, right? The hub security is more for a new chain that's just starting and like doesn't even have its own validator set and they just want to like not have their own validator set at all and they should just be, they're like, okay, let's just go use the hub's validator set completely. And, you know, you lose out on some, a lot of sovereignty and stuff by doing that, but you get, you know, it can help, it can help you get to launch faster and stuff. So, you know, I think there is a customer there for uh, the hub security system. And this like, you know, I... And the analogy, I you know, going back to the geopolitics, um, the analogy here would be like, uh, I, I used to teach a class on Switzerland uh, back in the day uh, at Berkeley. And so one people, people don't, might, may not realize is like Switzerland was actually one of the most powerful, like had one of the most, even today it has a really powerful military, but it historically had one of the most powerful militaries in the world. But because it was always like this neutral country, you know, hashtag credible neutrality as people as, you know, as the meme I, I kind of pushed but like you know as this neutral country what it used to do was be a uh, it, it had the strongest mercenaries in the world it's like the most well respected mercenary army um, and so I think the role of the hub can be something similar where it can be the Switzerland where it's like hey by being this credibly neutral chain it could be a security for hire right it has the highest economic market cap right now and it can be this very much like hey new chains it's it's a lot its security is not based off of like necessarily like economic alliances or community overlap or it can be based off those things as well but i think it it very much has this opportunity to be like hey we have this huge market cap we can lease out that security to new chains for cash flow basically through whether it's mev capture or uh through fees or whatever would you say that the interchain security model on the hub is top down versus Mesh security, which is more bottom up. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that, like, I mean, depends on what you mean by top down, bottom up. Like, you know, top down hub governance yeah. codes, and then the same validator set. Uh, yeah, provide security versus bottom up, where it's the val- your sovereign set of your app chain deciding which to provide security to, you and vice versa. Yeah. So the B one of 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 the hub security model, it's actually like you need to go through governance to be able to launch a. Uh, an exchange secured chain because what happens is every validator on the chain on the hub has to co-validate your chain as well. So 
it kind of has to go through this governance process basically. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit more top down in the sense that like it has to go through the hubs governance while mesh security is more bottom up where it's like, oh, you just spit up your chains and then we just start making bilateral treaties and the mesh sort of forms, you know, we actually do like the nice thing about mesh security. So I talked about this in my Cosmo first off this all within meshes, there's two types of meshes. There's what I call the like fully connected meshes. And then there's organic meshes like fully connected is like, oh, you know, we need to co come up with a coalition of like 10 chains and they all have to opt into this like multilateral security system together. That's kind of like what NATO is, if you think about it. A, nat a natural organic mesh is like, hey, Juno and Osmosis decided to do a bilateral shared security treaty. And then, you know, Osmosis decided to do one with Stargaze. And then, you know, they think it's the f you keep making bilateral treaties and let the natural uh, structure just come from you know, up, up here. Mm -hmm. From a I call it very Hayekian, you know, I mean, that's the term I, I personally use. I mean, probably not a term that most people know, but Hayek was like a, was a, um, economist and his whole thing was about like, you know, the best thing to do is just let the natural order happen. And that usually leads to the best results. You mean something that is more resembling of a free market as opposed to central planners? Yes. Right. Okay which is a completely capitalistic mindset. Yes. Right. Um, so from a technical perspective, in order to do mesh security, what is needed? Is it a module and subsequent upgrade on your uh, SK app chain, or is it even a Cosmosm level? What, what's going on, or what's currently being built right now in the, in the proof of concept at Hackwasm? Yeah, so... Um... There will definitely need to be an upgrade to the chains because, you know, most of the chains have like, you know, your staking module is not designed to do this. Um, what's interesting is a lot of the requirements to be done here are actually things we already did uh, in osmosis for superfluid staking. If you think about it, this is very similar to superfluid staking in a lot of ways because what are we suggesting here? We're suggesting that, well, I guess we didn't go into the details of how mesh security works. But like at high level, what it's saying is the osmosis chain will let Juno stakers, people who are staking Juno on the Juno chain, to cross stake, which means that they can take their Juno stake and use it to back a validator on osmosis. And then if that and it'll give it some voting power for that. It'll treat it as some equivalent osmo. And then if it does something malicious, it'll slash them. This is very similar to what we did with uh, Superfluid, where what we said was, hey, we're going to pick assets that we trust enough that we're going to let their LP shares also be used in staking, figure out their equivalent amount of Osmo, and then allow give them that much voting power and let them use it in staking. So a lot of the actual um, things that have to be done to the staking model have already been done in Osmosis Superfluid staking, and then we're generalizing that to, you know, work for more 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 use cases now there's a lot of logic around like oh how do how do how do validators how, how do delegators like choose to cross stake all this sort of stuff um how does that information get sent between the chains there's sort of in parallel right now there's this sort of um i don't know not very well known but i think it's like uh this debate right now happening on like in the Cosmos stack of like, should we be more Cosmos SDK focused or more Cosmosm focused? And, you know, Osmosis has always taken a stance of like both, right? We are, you know, 
there's some chains that really only focus on the causes as decay. There's some chains that are like, you know, very minimal causes as decay, but like all the logic is in Juno, is in Cosmosm. So Juno is an example of that, right? It's very thin causes SDK chain. Most of the interesting stuff is in Cosmosm. Osmosis is a very half and half. You know, we're like, we have a lot of our core logic, the DEX itself is in the SDK, but then we have a lot of peripheral stuff in Cosmosm. And we want to actually start running more and more stuff in Cosmosm. But we, what's been holding us back is like, hey, if we want this stuff to be adopted on all the Cosmos chains, we probably have to write everything in Cosmos SDK. So that way, you know, if we want the hub to adopt mesh security, it doesn't have Cosmosm. Or, you know, if we want Axelar to adopt it, it doesn't have Cosmosm. What, you know, we're at Hackwasm right now. That's where we're recording this. And I think, you know, I've just been working with like Fry and Ethan, Fry and Jay Cardinal and stuff on this. And I think we're slowly coming to the conclusion that, you know what, I think every Cosmos chain really should have a permission form of Cosmosm on it. Like it should be permissionless Cosmosm. We don't want every chain to become a smart contract. So you want a, a permission one so, because Cosmosm is just way faster to iterate on a lot of this cross-chain composability stuff. And so that's kind of why we decided to write mesh security uh, mostly in Cosmosm. And so it's like, you know, something that took you know, years to like build in the SDK, we, you know, we're going to have a pro proof of concept uh, by within a hackathon, right? And that's kind of like shows a power of iteration that Cosmosm gives you. I don't think the SDK is going to go away. I think there's a lot of stuff that you can only do in the SDK. You can't do at the Cosmosm layer. But yeah, so this is like sort of the where we're moving towards. So we're writing in Cosmosm right now. Um, and then, you know, hopefully we can just start connecting the chains that have Cosmosm into the security mesh. And then as more chains adopt it, they, they can join the mesh as well. And, and how does this play, it interplay with interfluid staking? Because yeah. the way that osmosis would provide security is through interfluid, right? Well, it would be able to provide normal, pure cross-staking as well through with Osmo. But yeah, interfluid staking is... Uh, sort of the amalgamation of these two ideas that, you know, last of like superfluid plus cross staking. So, you know, normal cross staking is taking the native staking token of osmosis, osmo and cross staking it. Super okay. Fluid. And that is what you're referring to for mesh security and that's yeah, what's being that's built cross with cosmosm. Okay. That's cross staking. Yes. Okay. So interfluid staking is taking osmosis DeFi assets and using those for cross-staking. So Superfluid was saying, hey, cross, you have Osmosis DeFi assets, they can be used to stake in Osmosis itself. Now, if you add cross-staking, it's saying like, hey, those DeFi assets that are staked on Osmosis, they can also be used for cross-staking cross on Juno. So it's like, oh, okay, now we have combined, that, that, that is interfluid staking. It's that it is using superfluid assets for cross-staking. I think this is, this is like cool, like, uh, yeah. And how does this relate to osmosis is like long-term plans? Like, yeah, it's this, like, there's this like feedback loop that we're trying to build here where it's like, oh, osmosis is this, you know, center of liquidity in Cosmos right now. That's what we think that's what will make it a great security provider as well. And because then more people trust it and, you know, it becomes this very secure system with more people depending on and that will bring more liquidity and it will create this like feedback loop uh for osmosis ladies and gentlemen we interrupt this podcast to tell you about interchain fm stake interchain fm is not only a podcast 
but also a steakhouse. IFM Steak is a premium, sushi-grade steakhouse running on osmosis, umi, and comdex. If you get your alpha from this podcast, show us some love by delegating to Interchain FM Steak. And where did Interchain accounts come in for implementing mesh security? Is there an application for that? Um, yeah, so I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're doing kind of is a kind of like Interchain accounts, if you think about it. Uh, there's like questions of like the idea of interchain accounts is that hey an account on one chain should do things on another chain. Right now the proof of concept that we're using is kind of like the Cosmwasm version of interchain accounts, where like hey you have this account on you have this contract on we call it we have an architecture diagram on the GitHub, but like we have like a what's called mesh provider contract and mesh consumer contracts. And the mesh provider contract exists, let's say, on Osmosis, and it's talking to the mesh consumer contract on Juno, let's say. And, you know, that is kind of like an interchain account, but we're actually not using the, like, normal ICA that's, like, in the SDK. I think that has its own use cases. Because this is a little bit more complicated, we decided to write it fully in Cosmosm right now. What are the trade-offs in decentralization when it comes to hub-based interchain security versus mesh security yeah so some trade-offs in central decentralization so um obviously the hub-based model is less decentralized from a network idc network view i think that's very hard to like dispute but then there are points where like you know the mesh has i would say definitely has open questions right so like one is like does mesh security like heavily favor the larger validators who know how to run more and more chains, right? Like if one validator knows how to run 50 chains, as that's something not most validators can do. Do they, are they going to get, you know, become the largest validator on all these chains for that reason? And so, you know, a lot of the ways that we've been designing mesh security have been to like combat that, right? Where we, we say, hey, well, you know, the validator isn't actually the fundamental unit. You know, it doesn't matter. Mesh security doesn't actually the design that we're going with right now doesn't rely on the same validator running on multiple chains. It's really up to the delegators to choose, hey, you can choose different validators on different chains. Um, but that's definitely like something we we have to keep an eye on because, you know, maybe validators will make it easy that like, hey, if I am running on many chains, here's a one-click button that you can use to cross-state to me on all of them. And that, you know, that could lead to more validator centralization in that case. Um, another thing we have, I mean, what, what, what can you even do if you observe that? There, I mean, there's a lot of ideas we can do on how to improve validator centralization in general. Uh, one thing I've been thinking a lot about is there's, there was this like old Polkadot proposal back in the day that I don't know if Polkadot ever implemented it. I, maybe they did. I, I, I never followed up, but it was an interesting proposal I liked, which was what you could do is have every delegator submit on chain a list of validators that they're willing to delegate to. And then what the chain can do is take everyone's preferen ag preferences, aggregate them, and like come up with delegations for everyone that still meets their preferences, but it, it like targets a more decentralized distribution. And I'm not, that's a really cool idea, right? Um, so I don't know, maybe there's like cool thing, you know, that, that that's like kind of an independent idea than all this mesh security stuff. You could do that on a single chain, but you know, it becomes even more interesting when you do that across all the chains and stuff. So I don't know. I think there's like cool ideas that can uh, be done to help 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 combat some of this centralization. Right. Sure. 
Well, uh, what, what was your thought process before we talked about validator decentralization? Um, oh, the, the other thing that we have, you have to think about is like, you know, you don't want it such that like one big chain can come in and just overtake like your chain, right? Like you don't, you know, you want, you don't want like, Hey, imagine you started doing cross staking with the Cosmos hub, right? Or Terra before it collapsed. Let's, let's use Terra, right? And if sure. it collapses, that would be an edge case. Sure. Well, that's not even what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the fact that like, you know, Binance, for example, they have so much stake on the Cosmos hub. If you, if you just start- Oh, you mean Binance Validator Binance has Validator. a lot of voting power. Okay. Yeah. They have like, what, like five, 6%, but they have like $160 million worth of voting power. Uh, if they just show up on your chain, like you just started a new chain, you add uh, cross-staking with the hub, um, and Binance just suddenly shows up and like takes over your validator set because they have so much voting power on this like big chain. So how do you, you know, you need, you need to build systems of like protecting against that, right? You don't, you don't want a new validator to come in and suddenly have like a hundred and you know, 10% of the voting power on your chain because they, they just started cross staking, right? So you have to design systems of making sure that like you don't have these giant takeovers. Of course, this is like a problem that only exists in mesh security because in the hub hub model, it's like you're just willingly giving up your ch your chain to being fully controlled by another chain. Um, but 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 but, but, the, but the challenge is you don't want one validator on another chain. That's kind of like the benefit of interchain security v one is over v two, is that in the v one model because all the validators have to run it at the same time, it like doesn't you don't have a situation where one giant validator is the only one running and takes over. So you know, we have to just build build systems to. Mm -hmm. yeah, this, this, basically, there's a lot of open questions, right? Like right now, mesh security was literally an idea. Over this weekend, it seems to have gone to a proof of concept, but it's like there's still a lot of open questions left to do to see this in production. Yeah, for interchain security v1 versus v2, the v1 would be the quick and dirty version, which is yeah. just same validator set boom, instantiate new chain, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Uh, in the V2, it would be more like the model that we talked about in 2019, right? Yeah, that a subset of your valid of the hub validators. Yeah, and it kind of augments the security yeah. of your chain. Where uh, V3 is that. V3, yeah, so V2 is sort of like an optimization on top of V1 where it's like instead of having to go through governance every time to uh, do to like provide security to run a consumer chain. V2 said, hey, you can have a subset of the validators and validators can opt in to running a new chain, to running this new chain. So that's uh, what V2 is. But these new these uh, consumer chains are still, you know, quality systems, right? Where they're like, they don't have their own staking system, right? V3 is basically the, honestly, V3 is the whole cross-staking stuff I talked about, right? Or mm -hmm. the idea of like, yeah. hey, you know, this chain has its own sovereign validator set, but then it's getting security from from the other chain as well. The only now difference between, you know, V3 and mesh security is like more just how you use it, you know? Instead of, the point is like, hey, instead of using it in a hub and spoke system, it's like, we should be running it bi-directionally. Mm -hmm, right. And V3 is honestly the interchain security version that you had modeled when we were talking about it in, it was like 2019, 2020, right? Yeah, I wrote a blog post about it. You had a design for it, and Jay had a different design, uh, but none of which is currently being implemented in V1 or V2. Correct. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the new iteration on that model that you had described, which is interchange security v3 effectively, is that you added bidirectionality on top of it. Correct. That's exactly. the main difference. Yeah, exactly. That was like the, I don't know, the insight that hit us of like, oh, wait, why is this one directional? This actually should be multi-directional. Right. I don't know. It, it, I don't know why it's. Not, it, it took us so long to realize. To realize, <laughs> yeah. it seems obvious in retrospect, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. So, just something like a few months ago, or I don't know. I I, I remember when I I like uh, when, when it all clicked to me. I like called Dave. I was like so excited. Like Dave, Dave, Dave. Hear this? And Dave's like, wait, I, I thought was that what we're always building? What? Like I I thought it was obvious. I'm like, oh, okay. But you keep feeling it is, Dave. <laughs> he, so he thought it was that way all the time. Yeah, yeah. Time. So yeah, he's actually had like debates with Vitalik about it before. So mm. like, what's interesting is Vitalik actually does understand it as well, and he gets mm. what we're trying to build with mesh security as well. I remember I was like hanging about. We were like at this like event with Vitalik like a year, couple like you know six months ago. And I remember like Dave and Vitalik were like debating about something but it was like at a level that like no one else was understanding oh <laughs> and so now he's like oh yeah that was the argument that we were having i'm like oh that makes sense now <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> maybe in your subconscious that yeah, was like yeah. what was processing it and then it clicked for you maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay wow uh, so 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 when 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 sunny has the aha moments uh, that's really processing David Vitale's conversation yeah. subconsciously, and then you giving it a f- but clever name. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's the process upstream and downstream. Yeah. What I want to talk about is what the end state of the Internet of Blockchains is. We did touch about upon that over dinner a couple days ago, which is the idea that what if every single sovereign app chain and or ecosystem provides data availability to the other and mm. provides mesh security to the other. And so wow. we just have a peer-to-peer chain-based network of a network of networks, and that's mm-hmm. potentially the end state of what the Internet of Blockchains is. That's what Web3 would be. Yeah, so we were talking about like uh, data availability and... I think I finally kind of understood the purpose of Celestia. It was always a little bit, or just things that I'm still a little bit uh, what, what, skeptical about. But like uh, the, the the thing that made sense, well, one of the questions I always had about Celestia is like, doesn't it also have to be the execution layer, the, the settlement layer as well? Like, what's the point of having a data availability layer without a settlement layer? Um, and that that like that like never made sense to me um, because to me it's like, well. The only reason you need data availability is if you're trying to settle, you know, exit to Ethereum, right? But because Ethereum is the if Ethereum is the settlement layer, right? But if there's no if your chain is the settlement layer for itself, like why do you need that? And then I kind of realized that, like, oh, okay, well, what's happening here is, um, you know, data. Even if a chain disappears off the face of the earth, the other chains can actually use the data to restart the chain again with a new validator set and then everyone just updates their IBC clients to point to like trust this new validator set. So there's a way with if you have data availability you can use uh social consensus to restart and save the chain again. So that was like a cool idea. And so Celestia so is like 
a provider of this like data availability to other chains, like a service provider chain. But that was pretty cool to me, I realized. Um, maybe there's a world where every chain should be its own data availability provider. So that way it makes sure that the people who actually, you know, its counterparty chains, IBC clients, are the ones who actually uh, have the data when it's needed. Um, but, but there might be economies of scale to like putting it all in one system like Celestia. So, you know, I have definitely have to think about that a little bit more. And there's also like the thing where it's like, you know, I do think most of the, an actually decentralized chain has very little chance of like being wiped off the face of the earth with no one there to like have the data, right? That's consensus protocols are types of data availability systems, right? You have hundreds of validators, you know, as long as one of them is still alive, then, you know, it's really hard for the data to suddenly disappear. Um, if you have, you know, a chain with only like four values or something, yeah, maybe that's the case where you need like data availability systems. But, but beyond what they're actually useful for, if say in a world 20 years, 50 years into the future, every single app chain is providing data to the other app chain and security to another app chain. Um, mm -hmm. What does this even mean? Do doesn't this imply that we've effectively abstracted the chain, the ecosystem away from the end user such that they are actually just um, protocols the way that HTTP is on the internet, uh, on the internet protocol is? Yeah, I think that that sounds right. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it, it, it's a way of building a joint, you know, yeah. 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 So right now we're at such an early stage where a chain's value prop is to provide that but at the end state of this entire thing it's that it's just a fee a feature like a default feature of every single of every single chain that's underlying this entire web3 space yep. at the end of it it's just decentralized interfaces that that people are interacting with yeah exactly like uh you know you right now when you deal with app chains you have to kind of think about the security properties of the chain that you're on but and that's why the you actually have to think about what chain you're using. But when you have more mesh security, it's like, you know, that all the chains will really have a relatively similar level of security because of the mesh. And so mm. it's like you can kind of start to abstract away, oh, which chain is it that I'm working on right now? Yeah. So in in this case, if everything is mesh secured, not just in the Cosmos ecosystem, I suppose we are starting it here, mm -hmm. but when we are mesh securing yep. Ethereum POS, mesh securing Avalanche, and even mesh securing with Bitcoin? Well, so one of the things that actually like, um, part of the thing that helped me like, on like realize, have my like aha moment was um, a project called Eigenlayer on Ethereum, where what they're kind of doing is sort of like, they call it restaking. We actually were going to call it restaking instead of cross-staking as well, but we already have a term called free delegating, and so we didn't want it to get confusing. Um, but the restaking concept was eigenlayer. It's by this, uh, you know, led by uh, Professor uh, Sri Ram Krishnan. He's amazing, and like um, he has he has this really cool blog post on superfluid staking that he's written, and I think you know I think he's going to help like publish it at some point. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the he had the, he's working on a project called Eigenlayer, which basically allows ETH 2.0 validators to cross-stake on other things. So cross-stake on data availability, cross-stake on oracles, cross-stake on, like not on other chains, 
because you know Ethereum doesn't do it for security, for chain security. Everything's just using rollups, but it was for other services on Ethereum, like data availability and oracles and all this kind of stuff. And then, so it was seeing that that kind of like helped me real have like aha, where like wait, you can reuse our restaking idea, but for like actually securing not just services but also entire chains. So, but yeah, so will Eigenlayer be a part of this like mesh security system? I think so. Eigenlayer through Eigenlayer ETH 2.0 will be a part of the mesh. And would there have to be bespoke Eigenlayers between? each ecosystem that like like a bridge needs to be built in, in a bespoke manner in order for like avalanche to talk to us and then so on and so forth you know would there yeah. have to be each eigenlayer between it would have to be like an implementation so really what it is is what we're writing is restaking or cross staking whatever you want to call it we're writing an implementation of that right so we are right now we're writing an implementation of cross staking in cosmosm while Eigenlayer is effectively writing an implementation of cross-staking in the in Solidity. Uh, yes, we'll have to write a version of cross-staking in Solana. Solidity or something. Or Solana. Yeah, I'd sure. Like, yeah. Programming languages. Yeah. So we'll have to have more implementations of cross-staking in more frameworks. Okay, got it. Okay, cool. Just like how we would export Tenement-like client logic. Yeah. in uh, another ecosystem. Exactly. Thanks for tuning in to Interchain FM. As always, I will read through the pages of white papers and condense only the alpha for you in a one-hour-long digest. Be sure to subscribe to Chango and Chain's YouTube channel to be up-to-date about the latest technology and never miss a live-streamed episode.